On today's episode of This Week in Space, Tarek and I speak to astronomer Joe Rayo about the upcoming annular eclipse in October and 2024's total solar eclipse. Don't miss it. Stay with us. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is This Week in Space, episode number 83, recorded on October 13th, 2023, A Hole in the Sky. This episode of This Week in Space is brought to you by Melissa. More than 10,000 clients worldwide rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twit. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Space, the There's a Hole in the Sky edition. I'm here today with the, with the incogitable Mark <laughs> Malik, editor-in-chief at Space.com, who has sadly found himself a pair of Eclipse glasses. For Yay! <laughs> Isn't he just adorable, Ant? Oh, he took them off now. Okay, well, that's better. It is our good fortune today to be here to discuss our favorite natural phenomena, solar eclipses, with Joe Rao, meteorologist, astronomer, and sky columnist with Space.com and others. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Rod. By the way, uh, you can pronounce it as if there was a Y between the A and the O. Real. No, Ray. <laughs> I'm your, t- l- l- let's put it another way. Rayo. Today, I'm your Rayo of sunshine. Oh, uh, I love clever. it. See, I love it. Tarek, we just had the one clever moment of the day. Yes. Thank you, Ant. <laughs> Given that uh, you and I are both wiped out from the conference we did this week. So there we are. Speaking of a wipeout, guess what? Well, a what? I have a uh, what? I have a space <laughs> from, I don't know what you want me to guess. <laughs> for a loyal listener and old pal Martin Lawler, one of the original space hipsters. Okay. Hey, Tarek. Uh, yes, Rod. Oh, geez. What did the janitor say when he looked at the sample from Bennu? <laughs> well, I don't know. What did the janitor, why is the janitor looking at an asteroid sample in the first place? But what, what, what did he say? I'm thrilled to see this Bennu sample. I can't wait to see what it looks like after I get done sweeping away all that black dirt and rock. Oh, oh. Oh, no. Everybody looks away. Okay. Well, well, Martin, this bud's for you. All right. As always, we invite you to join us and send your best or worst space joke. That may have been a case of the latter. We're counting on you. And uh, also, don't forget to do us a solid and like, subscribe, and other podcast goodies. Now. Yes. On to headlines with the tired Tarek Malik. Tarek just got back to the East Coast from a whirlwind three-day victory tour through Los Angeles where we attended the Economist Magazine's Space Economy Summit. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we had a lot of fun, and uh, we, we, we crushed it on the SS uh, Twist, otherwise known as my old boat. And Tarek got back at 2 in the morning, and he's yawning. 2 in the morning today. As we're as we're recording it, not like any other time, but but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Tuesday uh, went to JPL. Wednesday had the economy summit. We recorded all sorts of fun stuff for the podcast on Thursday, and I am back here and uh, uh, with my cup of coffee, ready to talk solar eclipses in after headlines with uh, with Joe. 
Well, okay, so headlines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's on me. What am I saying? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. All right. I was. I was kind of. We're gonna lead into it. Psyche's on its way. Falcon Heavy finally made its liftoff, and right. we have our first spacecraft to a heavy metal asteroid. When are we gonna that, get there? That's right. Well, you know, this was a a, a really. Uh, fun one to watch because every time you see a Falcon Heavy launch, it, you, that means you get to see two rockets come back uh, at least. Right. And um, and and this one was weird because the two side boosters they landed at like really different times. Um, but uh, NASA's Psyche mission uh, launched uh, on this Falcon Heavy today from the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, our own Josh Dinner was there. He said it was amazing, and it will arrive at this super metal asteroid uh, in 2029 to get like an up close uh, look at, at what they think is kind of like a, like a, not like a failed planet, but like the core of what could have been a planet if it had gotten any bigger over time. And there's some estimates because like space miners who we kind of heard about at the economy summit uh, are really excited about because they, they said that there, there's enough metal in this asteroid that it could be something like, um, a uh, hundred quadrillion, however many dollars that is, uh, uh, worth of of, of stuff uh, in iron alone. Let alone, uh, let alone like the other stuff that that is like the, there's a metal called monal monal. I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's monal. Um, that's that that's uh, like nickel and, and and some other stuff there too. Um, but this is a really interesting mission, and it's had a rocky road, as I I, I know that you're you're aware, where they they had to kind of push it back, and and they had some. Uh, some software and, and some, some kind of early issues. And it's, it's nice that they were able to get through all of that and then get off the ground. And now they're off and running. NASA is calling it this, their asteroid autumn, uh, as we had the, uh, Bennu samples returned to earth, uh, from Osiris Rex. Now we have this and, uh, uh, and then Lucy, the spacecraft, which is already out there is going to make its first kind of flyby, uh, in November. So, uh, pretty pretty fun success. Good luck uh, to the Psyche team, uh, to Lindy who uh, visited uh, visited us on on the podcast in the past, uh, and her her uh, her science teams that are really looking forward to all this fun stuff. And we should uh, note that all of today's headlines come, of course, from space dot com. Um, yes. Now here's 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 a flashback Friday special: <laughs> the leaking Nauka. Uh, module on the International Space Station. So once again, the ISS has a leak to the vacuum of space. And once again, be nice about it, Rod. But yet once again, it's in the Russian, one, one of the yeah. Russian components. And I, I think they have a bit of a quality control issue. I mean, I don't know where this one came from. You probably do. Well, but yeah. Really? Yeah, this this was a, a, a coolant leak in one of the radiators on the Nauka research module uh, of the Russian segment. And it, it popped up earlier in in the week, actually, I think on Monday is yeah. what, if, if memory serves, uh, because I was scrolling after dinner and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, like not another one. Well, because this just um, happened with the progress, right? it, not the progress, the Soyuz. That's right. It happened with the Soyuz. Uh, and then there was a there was an actual Soyuz pressure leak uh, with like a, a, a tiny little hole 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 uh, in, a, in a previous one. So this is the third leak, uh, it, you know, of a Russian spacecraft or spacecraft component uh, and um, in at least as many years. And um, and so what, uh, you know, they said that there was never any problem, you know, with, you know, or, or issue with the, the Nauka module itself. The astronauts were never in any danger, right. but you don't want your cooling systems leaking coolant, you know, over time. You know, I think this is ammonia coolant, right? And they don't 
no, like swimming in that stuff on the space station. So right. they'll have to go look at it. There were two spacecraft, uh, spacewalks scheduled uh, over the next couple of weeks by NASA. Those have been postponed and rescheduled to later in the month after an impromptu Russian cosmonaut spacewalk to go out and look at this uh, this radiator, see if they have to repair it. Maybe they don't. They can just kind of reroute the coolant around it or whatever. Uh, we're going to find that, that stuff out. But it, it isn't... Um, uh, it isn't a good look. It's one of the newest modules on the space station. Nauka is there was, a, I think a couple more after it. Uh, and you know, maybe they were hit by micrometeorite debris. That's always possible. We've seen in the past. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, if, if that's truly the case, as they have claimed over and over again, uh, any Russian component must be a micrometeorite magnet because they just don't yeah. seem to do a lot of damage to NASA's pieces of hardware. There but is that. There is we that. Give them think- the benefit of the doubt. I just want to add, you know, if you ever drove a Yugo, which was a Russian block, a Soviet block automobile from the 80s, as I recall, it explains a lot about what goes wrong in space with Russian hardware because it was possibly the worst designed machine in the history of humanity, (laughs) which includes the original square wheel. All right. Finally, and hold your pearls because this may come as a shock to many of you. Boeing Starliner is delayed again. <laughs> the devil you say, Rod. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. This happened actually yesterday during the conference. Like when we were, I was in traveling, so I actually have, I'm trying to catch up now too. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was in early 2024. Um, uh, the the it was you know now they're saying it's it's no it's no earlier than mid April. I think it was January before that. Look at that before, in that article that it, we're scrolling in the background. They have a nice computer rendering of what Starliner looks like. Oh no, that's real, isn't it? No, that that's real. That's, that's a test flight. That was the test flight. Because it actually did get there once. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. So, um, uh, so, so the 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 first crewed flight now they're saying is is no earlier than mid twenty twenty four, but the first like operational flight after that crewed test flight is uh, is in early twenty twenty five, which is a long time. Uh, to go between those flights, right? Indeed. So, because because I, I think after the first crude test of Dragon, which was in summer of 2020 in May, the first operational flight was that fall, right? Isn't that, it wasn't it was only like a few months uh, later. So this is like nigh on a year. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, the, 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 there's the the issues with the Starliner that they found after the test flight, the uncrewed test flight, were were substantial. They had the 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 parachute cord uh, issues uh, that they had to figure out because they they weren't rated for the actual full weight of an operational uh, mm. uh, Starliner vehicle. I, again, that boggles my mind that you would test <laughs> that you would wait, test. Wait, it weighs yeah. how much, Fred? You didn't tell yeah. me that. Yeah. So, and and then of course they had that that flammable tape that was pervasive throughout <sighs> the inside of the. Of the of the capsule again, it just it just boggles the mind how that. Well, it, it does because there's you know you can only imagine this moment where some tech says, "Oh, they forgot to wrap these wires." Hey, I have some old matchbook covers. I'll just wrap those around <laughs> the thing or whatever it is. I mean, how do you do that on some? Yeah, and they've been I, doing this. You know, SpaceX has only been doing space since two thousand two. Yeah, Boeing has been doing space since the nineteen fifties. Yeah, I, in one way I, or another. I mean, it's I just, don't have. I don't have. I don't have an explanation. Be an apologist. Want, Come on. I want. I want. I want. I want. I want Boeing and Starliner to succeed. 
just like you know we've seen with with spacex and, and dragon um it just seems like like each time they find like a new thing that seems like it should have been caught in the early design phase yeah. or early testing phase um and you know testing for this vehicle has been kind of an achilles heel because there is not like the issues with the first test flight that, you know, didn't reach the proper orbit, the first uncrewed test flight because they didn't have end to end flight software testing. You know, they just tested little bits of it. And um, instead of doing the whole thing all at once, and then there was a, like a, it's okay. We're ready to launch. I got everything done except page 80. And, It'll be okay. And and, and the same, and then, and then you find out after this, this test flight that, Oh no, like the loads on the parachutes are higher than what they're allowed to be. Um, yeah. Uh, because it needs to have a two parachute capability, and right now the, the loads with, with the design they had were not. So they're redesigning all that stuff. So I mean, I I think that hey, maybe it might be like the space shuttle where they had uh, after the Columbia accident better and better inspection techniques to the point that by the by STS one thirty five about twenty plus missions um, after uh, after after Columbia. Uh, those were like the cleanest, smoothest mm. inspections that they had ever run, right? They got better as they did it over time. And I think that they'll get there with Starliner. But the future of Starliner beyond the space station, which I'll remind you, has what? Seven years left. Right. The, you know, the future of Starliner, it's, it's, I'm wondering, are they going to have the business case and the rationale, you know, for all these commercial space stations that are coming up? Are they going to want to be using it for that? Or are they just going to want to fly out the NASA com- contract and then be done with it? So we'll... We'll have to wait and see. There's a really good Ars Technica piece uh, that folks should should look up. I think it's by Steve uh, Clark, Stephen Clark. But um, that's all about that, that, that people should go check out. It's yeah. a really, really good read. Well, there's been a lot of conversation in the community about them flying out beyond the contract or not. Let's remind ourselves that Boeing is a publicly owned shareholder controlled company, unlike SpaceX, which can do pretty much whatever it wants. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Well, very good. So we are down through headlines, and it is time now to take a moment to hear from our good friends who do not have technical difficulties getting their mission accomplished at Melissa, because this episode of This Week of Space is brought to you by Melissa, the data quality experts. For 38 years, Melissa has helped companies harness the value of their customer data to drive insight, maintain data quality, and support global intelligence. You know, over time like spacecraft wiring, uh, all data goes bad, up to 25% per year. Having clean and verified data helps customers to have a smooth, error-free purchase experience. Bad data is bad business and costs an average of $9 million each year. Flexible to fit in any business model, Melissa verifies addresses from more than 240 countries to ensure only valid billing and shipping addresses enter your system. Melissa's international address validation cleans and corrects street addresses worldwide. Chinese, Japanese, and Cyrillic are just a few of the writing systems that Melissa's global address verification supports. Addresses automatically transliterate from one system to another, so you don't have to do that yourself, which is no fun. You can focus your spending where it matters. Melissa offers free trials and sample codes, flexible pricing, an ROI guarantee, unlimited technical support to customers all around the world. You can download their free Melissa Lookups app from Google Play or the Apple Store. No sign-up is required. We like that. You can validate an address and personally identify anyone in U.S. or Canada. You can check global phone numbers to find caller, carrier, and geographical information. And you can check global IP address information and more. 
Once you're signed up with Melissa, it's easy to integrate their other services, such as Melissa Identity Verification. You can increase compliance, reduce fraud, and improve onboarding. And Melissa Enrich, you can gain insight into who and where your customers are. Melissa specializes in global intelligence solutions and undergoes independent third-party security audits. They're SOC 2, HIPAA, and GDPR compliant, so you know your data is in the best hands. So make sure your customer contact data is up to date. You can get started today with 1,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twit. That's melissa.com slash twit. And twit is our boss. All right. <laughs> Speaking of our boss, we are back to talk to the original boss of the of sky. The sun. Yeah. Joe. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm doing just fine. Enjoying the show so far, and uh, <laughs> sure, I'll be enjoying a lot more in the minutes to come. Well, usually, yeah. usually we have more sleep before. <laughs> so, hey, speak um, for yourself. <laughs> All right, so we're here today to talk primarily about uh, this upcoming eclipse. We've got one tomorrow, and then one coming up in 2024. So, Joe, just the primer. Can you tell us a little bit about? what an annular eclipse is, what makes them unique, and why they're pretty rare. Well, as you know, the moon uh, in its orbit around the Earth does not go around in a perfect circle. It goes around in an ellipse. At one end of the uh, elliptical orbit, the moon is quite close to the Earth, 221,000 miles away. But on the opposite end, at what we call apogee, the moon is much further, about oh, 13% further away at about 252,000 miles. It reached that point just a few days ago. And so now as we get into that alignment of the sun, moon, and earth to produce a solar eclipse on Saturday, unfortunately, the moon is going to be just a little bit too far out in space to cover the sun completely. I call it the penny on nickel effect. <laughs> you can imagine the nickel being the sun and the penny being the moon. Oh, no matter good. what that's you good. do, yeah. no what you try to do, you cannot cover that nickel with the penny. The best you can do is when you line them up exactly, you'll have a, a ring of nickel around that penny, and that's exactly what will happen uh, with the uh, eclipse on Saturday. The moon, when it's perfectly aligned with the sun, there'll still be a ring of sunlight, which is called an annulus, uh, which is Latin for ring-shaped, you know, I, I, I wish I had a dollar for every <laughs> newscaster this past week who referred to it as an annual eclipse. Is it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Every year. No, annual means, you know, yearly, but this is an annular eclipse. It is a ring eclipse. And that's basically what you're going to see if you're in a very specific path, which runs down across uh, the western and southern United States from Oregon down to southern texas yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask about that rod so so for uh, uh rod and joe <laughs> hey, man i need more coffee hey Aunt. More... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so joe so you mentioned saturday that's october 14th for folks uh, who are listening because today is october 13th it's friday the 13th that makes it even spookier uh, that the sun is going to get blocked by uh by the moon um, i'll tell you what i wish i wish the eclipse were on Friday the 13th, because as I speak to you now, here in the New York area where I, I'm located, I think you are too, uh, Terry, mm -hmm. uh, it's beautiful. We have blue sky, brilliant sunshine. It would be a perfect day to watch an eclipse. 
But unfortunately, the eclipse is on the 14th of October, and tomorrow the weather forecasts are for an 80% chance of rain. So uh, oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be seeing anything of the eclipse tomorrow, and I neither will you and anybody else in the Northeast probably. Now, the, for folks that, that maybe are learning either about it for the first time or are, are thinking about um, – you know, going out and, you know, they've been planning their, their, their trip, but they don't know where to go see. You mentioned that it's going to start in Oregon and run through, uh, I think, I think Texas. So that's like, what, about four or five states? It sounds like it's going to cross Nevada. It's going to be like nine states, actually. Oh, nine states. Okay. Because there are a couple of states where eclipse, you know, the extreme, let's say, northwest corner of, of a specific state. But it does touch a state. So, you know, I think, I think Nevada is one of those mm-hmm. uh, states where it just barely touch. But. Yeah, so about nine states are going to be in the path of the annular yeah. solar eclipse. And if I'm a, an observer, this is different, right? That I should be prepared to to wear some special equipment because a total solar eclipse, the moon darkens the sun, it gets dark. You know, you you can see that without wearing any kind of special glasses. But you just said that part of the sun is going to be shining out around the edge of the moon the entire time. So I, I don't think I'd want to stare at the Absolutely. Sun, <laughs> without, I've got some some of these clips, these glasses here, but um, why are these important here? You look very fashionable. Uh, but, yeah, because they're so good looking, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yuck, yuck. Can I just uh, can I tell a quick story about, about an annular or ring eclipse versus Please. a total eclipse? I think that would really help put it in perspective to our yeah. listeners. In 2006, I flew to see a total eclipse in Turkey. I've seen 13, I've traveled to 13 total eclipses. I don't really do annular eclipses. Like a lot of people have asked me, says, well, how come you're in New York? How come you're not in Texas or, or, or in Oregon or that? Because I don't do annular eclipses. It's, it's, and here's the story. So I'm flying to, uh, Turkey from London, England. I flew from New York to London, then London to Turkey. So I'm on this flight, this L1011 jet with, 360 eclipse viewers, people people who are flying on down to Turkey to see the eclipse. I'm sitting there and I'm wearing my very fashionable eclipse hat. Oh, I love it. I yeah. heard it before I saw it. Wow. <laughs> there you go. And it, it has badges and uh, all, all the eclipses that I have seen over the years are on this particular cl- cap. So I'm sitting there reading something and all of a sudden one of the uh, people on the plane, and most of them were from the UK, from Great Britain. Gentleman comes up to me and he says, excuse me, mate. By the way, they do talk like that. They, they, they ask, <laughs> excuse me, mate. I said, yes, what would you, he said, I see you've seen your fair share of eclipses. And I said, yes, I, I have. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, back in October, this was in March, by the way, back in October, I was in Madrid, and I saw the ring of fire eclipse, the exact type of eclipse that's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They call it a ring of fire because, again, there's a ring of sunlight that shines around the silhouette of the moon at the peak of the eclipse. He said, I was in Madrid and I saw the ring of fire eclipse. He said, now, what we're going to see tomorrow, and again, we're all traveling to Turkey to see a total eclipse of the sun. Mm-hmm. But he's asking me, he says, now, what we're going to see tomorrow, will it be as good as what I saw in Madrid last October? And I looked at the guy, and I laughed in his face. I said, 
you ain't seen nothing yet. He said, <laughs> what you saw last October, forget about it. This is the big show coming our way tomorrow. And he looked at me kind of quizzically and he said, really? He said, well, I thought the Ring of Fire last October was, was really a spectacular sight, a ripping good show. <laughs> and I said, look, I said, are you on this flight, the return flight to London? He says, yes. He said, well, tomorrow, after we all see the total eclipse, you come back here and you tell me what you thought about that compared to uh, <laughs> what you saw last October. And we flew down. We had a gorgeous view. Sun came in front of the moon. Total eclipse. We saw the corona. We saw the stars and planets coming out. We saw all around the horizon the beautiful saffron and orange colorations of sunrise and sunset. It only lasted for about three and a half minutes. But my God, if you've ever seen a total eclipse of the sun or you've never seen one, it's nothing like what you've ever seen before in your life. Mm -hmm. So it just blew us all away. So we saw it. It was beautiful, perfect. And later that day, we got back on the flight going back to London. I'm sitting there by my lonesome, and all of a sudden, my good friend comes along. And he almost it's almost like he's coming sheepishly, you know? Like, <laughs> and I said, oh, well, he said, so what do you think of the eclipse today as compared to the ring of fire that you saw back in uh, Madrid last October? And he looked at me and he said, well, the ring of fire was cute. <laughs> there, was, there was no comparison. And he, he realized after seeing his first total eclipse, he realized that an annular eclipse for all good intentions, and it is a, an unusual sight. I will say, simply say that. But for all of how interesting it is, it is nothing. It is wow. nothing compared to a to a total eclipse of the sun. The real show comes our way next April when the path of totality runs again from Texas. And believe it or not, there's a there, there's, there's a place in Texas near San Antonio that's going to be crisscrossed. They're going to see both eclipses. They'll see the one tomorrow. And six months from now, they're in the same track for the total eclipse. But it runs from Texas through the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley up to upstate New York and across northern New England. That is the big show, the total eclipse of the sun that's coming our way next spring. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Well, now, now I feel now I feel I feel a little bit weird because I was like, oh wow, a big eclipse coming on Saturday. Let's tell everybody about it. And Joe's like, no, no, man, it's it's like it's fine. Well, if you've ever seen <laughs> an, an annual eclipse or annual eclipse as it should be, um, it, you know, there I've seen one and it was cool, but it, it, he Joe's right. I mean, there's no comparison. You know, <laughs> an annual eclipse is oh, that's that's kind of interesting. That's kind of neat. It's a little darker. You know what it, I can see. You know what it is, Rod, Rod? An annual eclipse. It is a glorified partial eclipse. Right. Uh, in, in 19, it happens to be centered, but 19, a total solar <laughs> eclipse is a life changing event. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I asked people, I said, have you ever seen a total eclipse of the sun? And they'll look at me. Now, if they say, ah, I think I did way back when I was a kid or, or I, 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 I'm, maybe I did. I, I, no. I'm pretty sure that I did it. They didn't see a total eclipse. It's like asking somebody if they eclipse. ever, if they ever murdered someone but forgot about it. So before <laughs> we go any further, and, and we got an ad break coming up here, but I just want to take a moment to tell people, no matter what you're going to see, whether it's annular, partial, you just feel like looking at the sun some afternoon, which isn't advised, 
or the incoming and outgoing phases of a total solar eclipse, you have to use the proper eye protection. We should all know that. But just so it's said, and you can get eclipse glasses in a lot of places. Unfortunately, you also have to make sure you're getting safe ones. There's a lot of knockoffs coming out of primarily Asia. Some of them were sold on AliExpress and even Amazon. So you got to be careful and buy your glasses, your Eclipse glasses, the little cellophane things. They're not really glass from a trusted vendor. Now, even, even big retail outlets can sometimes get the wool pulled over their eyes. So just, just be smart about it. Um, I know that for this Eclipse, they are selling uh, viewing kits at Lowe's, Walmart, and I think Target or one of the other what? major retailers. But, a lot of libraries are giving them away for free. And, yeah. and Joe, there's, there's a big, I mean, NASA is giving thousands of, of these glasses for free. Um, you know, just, just to follow up on that really quick. And, and Joe, if you've, if you've got some input to, to, to let us know, I mean, I, I spoke with the folks over at American Paper Optics, not to name drop a company, but they are like a trusted. Oh, and by the way, we are going to put a list of these vendors yeah, in the show notes. Manufacture it. But, but Joe, there's a, there's a certain kind of certification, right? That people need to look for to make sure their right. glasses are, are correct because sunglasses aren't going to cut it to protect your eyes no. during a partial or, uh, or an annular uh, solar eclipse or even a total solar eclipse in the, the, you know, the beginning and the end phases of it. Um, correct. I, yeah, yeah. There's an, I think an ISO number. Yeah. Uh, if it yeah. doesn't have like an ISO or stamp uh, with a number on it, you might want to stay away from, uh, from it because yeah. they, they, then they become certified. I have, I have like yep. in my hand here, I have some paper ones that Rod was talking about and I've got these kind of hard plastic, like more permanent ones you can use over again. And they both have these clear ISO. Uh, I don't know if, if, I, if I hold up for the now camera. Now we can for the see it. Yeah, let's so. just remind people that anybody can print the letters ISO. That's true. That's true. So it's, true. it's again, it's, it's better, but not. And I have to give my annual warning. When I was a kid, my parents got me a little telescope. It had directions. None of us looked at them. So telescope, how hard can it be? It had a solar filter screwed oh. onto the eyepiece, which was a little piece of welding glass. And this is 1964 or something. So people just didn't. Uh, society wasn't as litigious as it is now, let's say that. So I screwed that into the eyepiece, stared at the sun for a lot with my right eye. And by the time I was 50, I had serious cataracts because of that, to the extent that when I went in to get them fixed, the doctor <laughs> takes one look and goes, hey. Annie, yeah, get the staff in here. And I had six oh, no. people crowding around. Said, have you ever seen any cataracts as beautiful as these on a guy this young? Well, I'm sitting there like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm right here, guys. You know, you're talking to eyes up here. But anyway, um, so long expensive surgery later and, and permanent damage to my eyes. So welding glass doesn't do it. Smoke glass doesn't do it. Stacked sunglasses don't do it. You have to have materials that are specifically rated against the kind of UV frequencies the sun puts out. Yeah. And, uh, you can't you, you can't see through problem. them like during the day. Like you, however, you yeah. Let me just add, and I'm sure Joe will talk about this. There are other ways to view solar eclipses, yes. partial solar eclipses. Pinholes go under any tree that's got a lot of leaves on it, and you'll see a thousand little pictures of eclipses because of the way the leaves refract the light. So let's talk about that. But first, first, let's take a break for our sponsors. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So, Joe, in terms of uh, people wanting to take a look at this from beginning to end, about how long does it last? And obviously, if you're off the path of totality you described through the Western states, you're just going to see a piece of this, right? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the partial eclipse, the, the entire eclipse from start to finish is going to last about two and a half hours or thereabouts. And in the middle, of course, there's the peak or maximum of the eclipse. The Western United States if you live, uh, let's say, let's put it this way. If you live in the Pacific time zone and you're ha- uh, fortunate enough to have clear sky, you'll probably see at least 80% of the sun covered by the moon. Uh, in the mountain time zone, it could be like 60 to 80%. Central time zone, uh, 40 to 60. And here in the east, um, it probably will get something like 20, 30, 40% coverage. And it, 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 again, it's interesting when you have the proper uh, viewing device, I, you mentioned, you know, ways to look at it, the, the looking at the little um, uh, images underneath a leafy tree are always interesting, especially if it's a breezy day, because then what oh, you yeah. have is the eclipse seemingly twinkling, going coming in and out and right. in and out or whatever. Really, uh, really interesting there. I like to use the cracker method, you know, cracker, Cra- yeah, like crack, cracker, you know, use a sun, sun uh uh, a Ritz cracker or like a uh, like a saltine is that what you mean <laughs> cracker or whatever yeah and it works those little oh. holes in the cracker you can pro- use those holes to project tiny little images onto a sheet of cardboard or a piece of paper and that's oh. certainly interesting you can use a straw hat uh, that, for a minute that, I thought you were going to use your cracker as a coronagraph and I was going to say I don't think that works <laughs> what, what about a like a colander because those have holes in them too right colander like a, big. yeah well. And you can also use a hand mirror, believe it or not. And this, this is a fun way. You just take a mirror and you project the light of the sun. Don't look directly at the Do not. Yes. Like oh. the sun, but you project the image of the sun, let's say, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet onto a screen. And lo and behold, wow. there you the, uh, the image of the eclipse on that, on that screen as well. Wow. Where well, everybody- I, I just... Uh, as long as you're talking about mirrors, I want to add, if you happen to be in the neighborhood of Griffith Observatory in L.A., they have a device there called a triple beam coelostat, which is difficult to spell, but um, it's C-O-E-L-O-stat or something. Anyway, it's it's the dome on the right as you're facing Griffith Observatory from the front, and it is a solar telescope that projects to a screen down inside the Halls of Science. Of course, it'll be crowded tomorrow, but it does give you a wonderful image of the sun that is uh, probably about three feet across. If, hmm. you're, if you're downstairs looking at the ground glass, it's a very cool way to see a partial eclipse. It's always exciting when the uh, if you're in the path of totality and you're waiting and you're waiting. In fact, I'll tell you what, being in the path of totality is very much like the movie um, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Because if you remember... <laughs> Uh, late in the movie when they're all surrounded, uh, surrounding Devil's Tower, Wyoming, mm. and waiting for the, the aliens to come. You know, they're, they're standing in there waiting, knowing that something is going to happen, that uh, they're going to see it. 
And it's the same thing when you're in an area where a total eclipse is going to occur. All of these people have gathered like you, and you're waiting and you're waiting. And when you look up and you see that first little notch or bite taken out of the sun, you say, there it is, there it is. And, and, and the, the adrenaline starts to pump. And uh, unlike, unlike uh, if you're going to, let's say, if you're going to be executed, and you say, oh, no, I, I don't want to, you know, in the case of a total eclipse of the sun, you, you, you say, come on, move faster, move faster, get, come on, moon, keep on moving, whatever <laughs> like that. It's, there's a whole bunch of emotions that go on when you're watching as the sun is getting whittled down slowly but surely from a bite to half a sun to a crescent. And then finally, in that final couple of minutes, my God, those couple of minutes, you, 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 you don't know what to look at. Do you look off to the west and see the shadow approaching like a time lapse of a severe thunderstorm approaching you, which you have no control over? Do you do you look down on the ground and look for the ripples of shadow called shadow bands, which are caused probably by the fact that the atmosphere is very turbulent and the sun is now down to a thin filament of light? And it's the same reason why stars twinkle. The little beams of light that coming through the atmosphere cause the twinkling effect by that turbulent atmosphere. Now all of a sudden you're seeing these these ripples of shadow on the ground. And now you're looking around and seeing as it gets darker, like somebody is turning a rheostat and a dimmer switch down. And now he's, suddenly the planets are beginning to appear, the stars begin to appear. And then finally when that diamond ring, the last little bit of sunlight disappears behind a, uh, uh, a crater or a crevice on the moon, and all that's left is a little little blob of sunlight and now the inner corona comes out and it literally looks like a diamond ring in the sky i mean i it, the, the rule seems to be like at the moment of totality you scream your head off for about 20 <laughs> and then after that then you uh you you settle in and settle down and do whatever project you want to do either photograph it or just look around or just look at that magnificent corona of the sun, you know, streamers, streaks of brightness through it, it uh, the prominences, the giant uh, flares that are rising off of the sun's surface, those orange or crimson red um, hydrogen alpha uh, uh, flares around the edge of the sun. There's just so much that happens within just a, a couple of minutes. I mean, how much alien stimulation can <laughs> find process in just a little over a couple of minutes, two, three minutes? No, that, that, so that's... Let me, sorry, oh, Tark, I just want to add something real quick. For people who are not seasoned, either professional or amateur sky photographers, I would really encourage you to not get yourself tied up in knots taking pictures of the eclipse. I'm not saying that if you're a photographer, you shouldn't try it. It's, it's great. I'm sure Ant can comment on that. But in terms of if you're seeing your first eclipse, and if you're my age, let's say, it may be your last eclipse, who knows? Um you want to just experience that moment in the privacy of your emotions. You don't want to be able to the same thing with rocket launches. I used to photograph rocket launches and I realized after a couple of those, I hadn't experienced it. I had looked at it through a viewfinder and been worried about shutter speeds and composition and all that stuff, which is fine. But when this, you're doing this kind of once in a lifetime, very emotionally compelling experience, especially a total eclipse of the sun. You really you want to be there in person, not looking through a viewfinder. I agree with and you. I hear 100%, I hear our producer sir. weighing in. percent agreement. Um, it, yeah. Yes, we love to get the shot, but dude, this is this is once in a lifetime experience. Um, let your your own eyes see it, you know, and take that memory mm. in. Okay. Now yeah, and it's funny how 
It's it isn't it interesting how the difference between seeing it just staring at it with your eyes versus looking at a viewfinder speaks to your heart in a whole different way. They're both interesting and compelling, but really just experiencing that moment with your hands at your sides is completely different for some reason. Yeah, I agree. And I I actually have been dealing with that, you know, not necessarily with with space photography or anything like that, but this is my son's senior year and I Mm. shoot photos for their team. Yes. And there's a lot of times I, I'm, I'm just standing there with the camera in my hands and not up to my face because I want to capture this and, and hold on to this in my heart and in my eyes versus seeing it on the SD card. You know, it's a big difference. Because we all know when Ant sees a football flying through the air, the tears begin to flow. All right. It's <laughs> very important. True. No, but it is. I mean, it's your kid. And it's uh, my son was on the football team at his high school. And for the few moments that he was actually spending time on the field playing, as he keeps reminding me, he was spent a lot of time warming the bench. Um, it was a big deal. All right. Back to our normally scheduled question. From Tarek. Sorry about <laughs> well, that. Well, no, I just I wanted to avoid any confusion because we've been bouncing back and forth fairly seamlessly between annular eclipse talk, total solar eclipse talk. And there is a total solar eclipse coming up on April 8th, 2024. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I, I kind of hi- hi- highlight uh, that because we've been talking a lot the last, like, I think, 10 minutes about how great a, uh, a total solar eclipse and people aren't going to see that on October 14th. And I want to really make sure that we make that one clear, but, but Joe, I did want to ask because uh, like, like how, how fast like this, this specific eclipse, you know, might be. And you mentioned the path of annularity versus the path of totality. And I was curious if they're the same size and does it matter if I live, mm. you know, a mile outside the outer edge of a NASA map that says, you know, path of annularity. Does it matter if I go all the way to the center of that path or am I good just getting like in that little outer border so that I can see the, the ring of fire all, you know, or, or does where I, I go in that, that path determine how much of this ring of fire effect I'm going to see. Generally speaking, the, uh, the annular eclipse, if you are dead on center in the middle of that path, will run about five minutes. Five and minutes? We'll, and oh. what will happen will be that when you get to the midpoint of that five minutes, let's say two and a half minutes into the ring phase, the ring will look perfect mm-hmm. all the way around. Now, if you are off center, you, let's say near the edge of the, uh, of the eclipse track, uh, it won't last quite as long. And also the ring will be off center as well. And huh. if you happen, and if you happen to be on the edge or even a little bit outside of the edge, what's going to be seen will be not necessarily a complete ring, but right around the edge near the, 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 there'll be one side that'll appear exceptionally wide mm-hmm. on the ring. The other side will be very very thin, but that very thin side will appear to be broken up, Bailey's beads as it's called, because huh. of the rough terrain of the moon. You will see the. Uh, the, as the moon is sliding on by, you'll see mountains and valleys or whatever that are putting breaks in the uh, in the in one edge of the uh, of the ring, and they'll be appearing and disappearing and appearing and disappearing. In fact, I went to the of the two annular eclipses that I've seen, the one that I went to in Arizona in 2012, I wasn't in the middle. I was literally right on the edge, and the reason is that all of us, those of us who were positioned there, wanted to see. The, the Bailey's beads effect, 
And we oh. did for about 12 seconds. We saw these little beads of light on the thinnest edge of the ring. The other, the other side of the ring was broader and fatter, if you will. But only for about 10 or 12 seconds we saw that. And then the moon continued to move away. And the, the ring changed back to uh, what basically was a horseshoe with pointed tips. Huh. <laughs> so, that's, so, that's, that's really interesting because it sounds like you could almost customize your eclipse experience by picking a location in a certain part of... Of, of of the shadow path. I, I hadn't even thought of that. I'll have to think about that for the next one. So, All right, you gushing young men. Um, we have to go to an ad break, but before we do, I just want to remind people, whether you're talking about this eclipse, the next one, 2024, or any event of this type, if you can't get to it to see it in person, or even if you can, you can also check it out online at multiple places, including, drumroll please, <laughs> bringspace.com. All right, we will be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, Joe, you know, th- thanks for walking us through like the the October fourteenth annular uh, solar solar eclipse. You mentioned a, a few times how much better the the twenty twenty four total solar eclipse will be, and that it's crossing over certain parts like San Antonio. A lot of people in San, San like in the San Antonio area get a chance to see two solar eclipses. But but uh, if folks miss this event, or if they take your advice and and decide to put all of their travel plans into uh april's total solar eclipse you know walk us through that so what what should we expect where is that one going to be visible from um and you know when should people plan or is it it already too late to book a hotel for that you know you you say booking a hotel you you may very well be right on that uh, that that end because oh my god i i haven't booked my hotel yet oh no and now you've said it and everybody's (laughs) rushing to their keyboard we're not, done. Not that you're not that you won't find any any places uh, that have you know no vacancy signs posted. The problem is is that the hotels learn very quickly that there's going to be a major event coming, and all of a sudden, like for example, you want to go to Motel Six, you want to see them leave the light on for you. They might <laughs> leave the light on. Normally, they may leave the light on for you for about a hundred bucks a night. But I can tell you right now that they find themselves in the path of totality. That hundred bucks is going to go to maybe five hundred. Uh, Or $700. I've even heard somebody told me uh, the other day that there was a spot uh, in the totality path, I think up near Cleveland, $1,000 a night. I mean, this is this is going to be the problem. And also another problem is going to be rent a cars in Mm -hmm. 19 in 2017. I I, uh, uh, actually I saw the eclipse from the air, but I did have to fly into uh, Portland, Oregon and uh, wanted to do a little traveling uh, for a few days around the time of the eclipse. And the, 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 the rates for a, for a rental car were off the wall. The rental car people, too, are going to grab you and say, oh, yeah, you want a car? <laughs> and, and probably it's going to cost you like two to three times as much. So if you're just now saying to yourself, oh, I want to see the total eclipse in April, and you, you're planning to go reserve a room or get a, get a rental car, you, you – be prepared to, to spend because there, yeah. there could be money. I've been telling people, I said, well, if it's too late, maybe what you ought to do is 
go to a spot maybe a couple hundred miles away from the totality path and right, rent right. your car there and then drive, drive in, in the uh, totality path. But even in that case, there may be problems because uh, in 2017, there were huge traffic jams mm-hmm. leading into t- the total eclipse site. You know, those electronic signs that they have where they tell you about, you know, delays to exit yep. 34. They were, there were signs that were flashing saying total eclipse of the sun, uh, be prepared, long, long lines or long traffic. That is gonna be, it's going to be crazy. There are 32 million people who live along the totality track in the United States next April. 32 million people, but I can tell you right now, we may double that for the numbers of people that are going to be trying to get into the totality path uh, for the uh, for the solar solar eclipse. I think next April, you know, you say that uh, the Thanksgiving weekend is the biggest, most traveled weekend of uh, the year. I think that uh, April 8th is going to challenge the, uh, well, the weekend before April 8th. It's April 8th is a Monday. So the weekend before that, that's going to challenge Thanksgiving because you're going to see people coming from all different directions trying to position themselves in the proper spot for uh, viewing the total eclipse. It'll be kind of like a, a brownie in motion, <laughs> humans instead of... Uh, it's, it's also I, spring break for some some schools. Yeah. It's, it's going to be spring break for us, so we're going to plan a trip to go to go see it. So that's not. I'm sure that's not going to help any. So I, I think these warnings are valid, but I just want to remind folks. And we've talked about the 2017 eclipse a couple of times in the show. But I went to an Oregon uh, location, Oregon, that was darn near the center line, and we'd been reading headlines and hearing stories for months about eclipse apocalypse and all this stuff. So we had, my son and I and a friend had an SUV packed up with camping gear, spare food, water, everything but a porta potty And uh, as it turned out, in Prineville, Oregon, which was fairly close to Centerline, I, there was very little traffic. And while they had been gouging at those hotels too, we did some homework from the road with my son calling around and a budget in that had been going for, I think, 700 a night for very modest accommodations. <laughs> um, a, a University of Washington had booked a whole floor, floor full of rooms and then didn't come, canceled their booking, but had to uh, give up the fee because they did it so late. So we were we were able to get rooms at rack rate. So I think that's that's a one-off. Um, but just so it, it's said, you know, we shouldn't discourage people from trying at least. Yeah, well, to, to the point. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. There was a hotel that I had made a reservation for uh, in pay. By the way, I made reservations all along the eclipse track because, you know, I'm going to make a decision this coming April as to where the best area based upon weather will be about a, a week before the eclipse. So I've made like four or five reservations already at different hotels. I'll cancel the four. And when I know that the best spot will be, you know, let's say uh, Indianapolis, I'll go there and I'll cancel all the other reservations. I made a reservation in 2017 and in pay at Idaho. And the uh, the young girl who took my uh, reservations was very nice, and she said, "All right." And 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 I said, "You're aware about the eclipse, right?" Oh, I I there was going to be an eclipse. It was something like ninety dollars a night, <laughs> very very reasonable. And the ne- and and she sent me the email, and I made a printout of the of the uh, reservations. A couple of days later, I get a phone call from uh, the the manager of the hotel saying, the young lady you spoke with forgot to mention that we have a special eclipse rate going on. Oh. It turned out that the rate, the actual rate was like five times the amount. Mm-hmm. And now he's telling me, he says, so you're going to have to pay the, 
400. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, what do you mean? No, you're not. I said, your young lady sent me an email and I made a printout. I said, that to me is a contract between my, my me and your hotel. I said, now you're telling me at the last minute now that you're, you're changing the uh, rate to five times as much. He said, um, I think that the contract, and I was uh, looking at it, I said, I think the amount of money that you said I had to pay initially, the $90 or whatever, plus I, stands. Mm-hmm. I said, and if you don't think that that's the case, maybe I ought to go to a lawyer and maybe we ought to talk about this in, in greater detail. And guess what? I got the $90 rate. <laughs> and at the end, I canceled because I ended up, <laughs> up flying and seeing the eclipse in the air. But, you know, th- th- this is some of the stuff that, that hotels are going to perhaps pull on you and, in advance and- of this eclipse coming up. And you know, to to that point, I, th- I think maybe we might we might like kind of close with that. You know, Rod mentioned earlier about making sure your solar eclipse glasses, even if they say they're ISO certified, are in fact the the real deal. Just to take care in that there are a few companies you can research. We've got them on space.com if you're interested um, to to, uh, to to use from. Joe, your experience was one that the Department of Commerce in the U.S. began to investigate in 2017 uh, as early as the spring leading into that summer because they saw a lot of cancellations and rebillings uh, going into that. And I, I think there will be an increased uh, uh, watchful eye by the government after that. And they had also, the Department of Transportation had warned of the traffic from hell. And Rod, while you say you had this great experience and it wasn't that bad, yeah. our friend Leonard David was stuck with his his uh, his wife for hours in uh, Wyoming because it was a really rural area and it was really difficult to get into and out of. Uh, yet I met people in Carbondale, Illinois, who got on the bus that morning, drove down, saw the eclipse, got on the bus and drove back that night, you know, and that's a five hour ride for them from Chicago. So well, uh, we might we might add if you're planning your your trip, try to find smaller communities that have four or six lane highways instead of two. Maybe that that's makes right. A difference that's right. Because you get that's one right. car stalled in the two lane highway and, and your day is done. So I'll just I'll close with one last question for 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 you, Joe, and and that is you said you've seen thirteen. I think you said earlier, uh, or you know more than a dozen solar uh, total solar eclipses. Yeah. Um, and so uh, if people if people decide to skip uh, the annular, or let's say they see it and they're like, I need more. Uh, where do you think the April uh, 2024 eclipse is going to rate in terms of how great of an event it would be based on the eclipses that you've seen? So. Oh, well, it'll be a bucket list event uh, for, for most anyone. Uh, for the ones that I have seen, like snowflakes, no two eclipses are alike. Uh, depending upon atmospheric conditions and depending upon the overall size of the shadow as it moves in and over you, whatever. I mean, I've seen some eclipses where two or three minutes before totality, it looked like a tidal wave of darkness approaching uh, from the direction of the shadow. Other eclipses, I haven't seen that effect. Instead, it simply looked like, uh, as I said before, uh, somebody turning down a rheostat or a dimmer switch, and it just got dim and darker and darker over, over time. And then after totality, it just brightens up again. But regardless of how it all looks, um, and be it you see totality for either five seconds or 10 seconds or five minutes, it's still going to be an amazing sight. And by the way, even if you're in a place where the totality lasts like four and a half minutes, which will be the maximum for this one coming up in 2024, all total eclipses that you see 
last eight seconds. Because <laughs> in, your mind, in your mind, it's like, it's over already? It's a, <laughs> that that well, wasn't four minutes. It was incredible. You know, it's it's just an unbelievable event. I, and, I, I hope everybody takes advantage and sees it because the next chance here in the contiguous United States to see a total solar eclipse will not come until 2044. Oh, so man. that's 20 years from now. So, and no. and you, you just said something like a minute ago that you, you watched an eclipse from the air. We've been talking about watching all these eclipses from the ground, but you can get on a plane and watch an eclipse that way, too. That's an option people yeah, should I've, think about. I've, I've, I'm, I'm so crazy about eclipses that I've actually coerced two major airlines to change their itinerary. Um, in uh, 1990, there was one over the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and uh, I went to an airline that doesn't exist anymore. American Trans Air, and I said, you know, if you delay the flight for about 40 minutes out of Hawaii en route to San Francisco, we'll be able to see a total eclipse of the sun on the way back to San Francisco. And they went for it. They actually <laughs> did delay the flight for about 40 minutes. And then again, uh, more recently in 2016 with Alaska Airlines, I told them again, you delay the flight for about a half an hour, your normal commercial flight from Anchorage, Alaska to Honolulu you will encounter a total eclipse of the sun. And that really worked for Alaska Airlines because <laughs> when they made uh, it clear that they were going to do that uh, a few days in advance, all kinds of news media started uh, gravitating toward them. They even had um, 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 ABC News come on board. Actually, the funny thing with ABC News, they went to Alaska Airlines and they said, we'd like to be on board that flight so that we can cover it and, and, and uh, you know, do it on the uh, World News Tonight. And Alaska Airlines said, oh, darn it, the flight is totally booked. And they said, they said, oh, all right, well, thanks a lot. No, 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 wait, wait, we can get a bigger plane. And they got a bigger plane to accommodate ABC News and uh, they covered it. So the, the, these are the crazy things that I've done. In uh, in getting uh, views of total eclipses is actually having airline flights. I didn't exactly hijack the, the airline, but <laughs> I did have them change their itinerary so that we all were able to look out and enjoy a total eclipse of the sun. Rod, we should get our pilot's oh. licenses so we can do it. Oh, God, no, let's not have that itinerary. <laughs> Plus, you and me with our ADD. <laughs> hey, I'm flying the plane. Oh, look, a birdie. Wham. Um <laughs> So, everybody, thank you for joining us today for our, our first Hole in the Sky special with Joe Rial. Um, Joe, where can we track your eclipse path online? Uh, well, you can uh, go to my uh, Facebook page, Joe Rather, uh, Joe Weather, Joe Rayo <laughs> Weather, and uh, Rayo is spelled R-A-O, Joe Rayo Weather uh, on Facebook, and uh, you'll find me there whenever we talk about eclipses uh, or any other celestial site. You'll find me you know, talking about it on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at the same handle, Joe Rayo Weather. Uh, and of course, Night Sky uh, on space.com. I'm That's always right. writing at space.com. And uh, in fact, if you go on space.com right now and you want to know what the local weather might be for the eclipse tomorrow, uh, we just posted a uh, national weather forecast online at space.com. So you can see whether or not you're in the cruddy zone of not seeing it, as will probably be the case here in New York, or <laughs> whether or not your view will be uh, unhindered by any kind of cloud cover. Well, sensational. I promise by the next time we have you on for the 2024 eclipse, I'll have your pronunciation of your last name pat down pat. Tark? Well, how about uh, you? 
You can find me on the Twitter at Tarek J. Malik at space.com as well. And tomorrow, obviously, sitting here at my desk orchestrating our solar eclipse coverage, we've got people in Nevada. We've got people in uh, Chaco Canyon uh, watching it. It's going to be really exciting and uh, watching all those all those uh, live streams from NASA all the way in dawn. If you're uh, starts at 1130 a.m. Eastern time uh, on um NASA TV is the primary webcast to to look out for, but there's a lot more that you can you can choose from uh, different parts of the world, um, and uh, uh, and then I'm gonna sleep for like a week. What, what time? Is to- <laughs> what time is totality in uh, the different time zones? So uh, it starts at nine fifteen Pacific time in Oregon is when the eclipse itself, I believe, begins, and then um, and then it peaks. I think about a half an hour after that. So. Say so like right, right yeah. Okay. Can I say one one final note before Please. we part company here? And I think I'm offering uh, to any library or civic group. I've been doing these talks on the upcoming eclipse. I have actually two of them. One that's called "The Sun Will Darken on April the Eighth," and another "Adventures of Eclipse Chaser," which uh, talks about all of my crazy stuff that I've done and trying to chase down eclipses and events and things that I've experienced uh, over time. Uh, they are done via Zoom. Uh, they are all virtual PowerPoint talks. They last for at least an hour, followed by a 15-minute Q&A from viewers either on the chat board or they can unmute themselves and ask questions directly. And so if any any library or civic group is interested in hosting uh, my talk or talks, uh, you can contact me directly at Joe Rayo, J-O-E-R-A-O, weather at gmail.com and i'll be very happy to send you my prospectus on uh, the two different programs that i offer and uh uh maybe we can make an arrangement uh, the the i do ch- there there is a fee for that it's not <laughs> for free or whatever but uh if you're but if you're a library you know or a civic group and are interested in something interesting for your members or your patrons by all means contact me and we'll uh, see if we can make an arrangement well, and and by all means, to all the same people listening, do feel free to contact Joe because Tarek will be headed for a nap, and I'll be standing outside enjoying the eclipse, not answering my phone during that entire time. Uh, although for free, I might add. So, and of course, you can always find me at pilebooks.com and at astromagazine.com. But you know that already because because I'm everywhere. Um. Well, that, that was arrogant, wasn't it? Please no, don't forget it's to drop true. us a line. It's not arrogant if it's true, Rod. So I got like a whole bookshelf of Rod Pyle books over here. So, Well, let it never be said that my shadow didn't loom large. Um, don't forget to drop us a line at twist at twit.tv. That's T-W-I-S at twit.tv. We welcome your comments, suggestions, ideas, and eclipse critiques. And uh, we answer every message, one of us. Don't forget also to check out space.com, the websites of the name, and the National Space Society, my benefactor. Both are good places to satisfy your space flight and astronomy and eclipse cravings. New episodes publish every Friday of this, your favorite podcast, on your favorite podcatcher. So make sure to subscribe, tell your friends, and give us reviews. We'll take whatever we can get. But don't forget, you can get all the great programming on the Twit Network ad-free and some bonus extras you won't get elsewhere. Some coming from us soon, uh, me, and, me and my partner here. From the boat! From the boat! On, on Club <laughs> Twit. Uh, only available there for just $7 a month, which is way cheaper than going to an eclipse. Finally, you can follow the Twit Tech Podcast Network at Twit on Twitter and on Facebook and twit.tv on Instagram. 
Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you on the other side of tomorrow's eclipse. Take care. It's midweek, and you really want to know even more about the world of technology. So you should check out Tech News Weekly, the show where we talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news. It's the biggest news. We talk with the uh, people writing the stories that you're probably reading. We also talk between ourselves about the stories that are getting us even more excited about tech news this week. So if you're excited, well, then join us. Head to twit.tv slash TNW to subscribe. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.